everybody. Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I am Josh Dooley, and with me, as always, he is he is the brokenhearted Mikey to my double-down Trent. That's a swingers reference. If you don't get it, I don't like you. He is the one, the only, Chuck Holmes. And Chuck, I want to begin this pod by telling you that I have to love you, man. I love the shit out of you. This episode is for you. It's us against everybody. We should be America's pod due to all the adversity we've faced. What do you think? Uh, You sound much less like a clown than the original version of that, uh, for sure. Uh, It made it seem like somebody had died tragically when in reality... Uh, he was just sitting at an Applebee's drinking a vitamin D milk while he ate some riblets, would be my guess, as he watched that uh, atrocious game. Yeah, uh, he who shall remain nameless definitely seems like an Applebee's and riblets kind of guy. And uh, so, look, Chuck and I are recording on Tuesday evening, our usual time slot, but. I want to go backwards a little bit. I was unavailable for the Sunday episode. Chuck, you held it down. Solo Michigan State recap. And I don't know if you know this, but we've received tremendous feedback. Some people are even calling for you to branch out and leave me in the dust permanently. As a selfish player, I need to ask, Am I still a franchise guy for the Hangout organization? Like, will I still be featured in a prominent role? Or do I need to demand a trade before the situation becomes untenable? No, you're here, man. Because what I experienced on Sunday when I recorded that, the fear I experienced as I had to talk by myself to myself and hope I didn't sound like a blithering idiot with nobody to respond to my stuff. You may not like Colin Cowherd, and a lot of people don't, but you have to respect that he does that stuff three hours every single day. Holy smokes, that 45 minutes was a very, very long 45 minutes, and I'm glad you're back, brother. I can imagine. I'm, I'm glad to be back. I thought you did really well. I listened to it on the way back from Cincinnati. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, right? Like I got to see CJ Stroud have a fantastic game. Former Buckeye, loved it. On the other hand, I went to watch my Bengals, Joe Burrow, and they lost because Tyler Boyd can't catch a ball, but I don't want to hate on Tyler Boyd too much. Uh, Cincinnati's defense was just garbage and CJ picked them apart. I want to stay in this past weekend for a few minutes here. Let's talk Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, Sharon Moore, uh, Yoko Ono. I, I know that's not his name. I don't know what his first is. I apologize. No disrespect there, at least. Hold on. You really, you really don't know what his first name is? No. Is he just Ono, like Seal? No, it, it's Santa. S-A-N-T-A. Santa Ono. See, I think Ono Does that make it, would... Does no, that make it, it worse make or it better? better? I would go by Ono, like I was Seal or Prince. But, you know, you and I, we did discuss the initial 
punishment handed down to Michigan on Saturday morning, which we recorded for Sunday. But then Saturday afternoon, I, I was like watching some of the stuff on our drive down. Michigan's offensive coordinator and interim head coach, Sharon Moore, goes on national TV after the Wolverines win over Penn State. And honestly, man, that was some clown shit. It, it really, really was. He's openly sobbing, which I have no problem with. Show your emotion. I think that part of it's sort of great. But he's dedicating the win to Jim Harbaugh, acting like the latter is dead or laid up in a hospital somewhere. In reality, Harbaugh is watching from a hotel room and they've been separated for, what, a few hours? You know, Moore was acting like Michigan had or has overcome so, so much, like battled adversity and these extreme circumstances and like they've been persecuted for crimes No, dude, your coach was sitting at a Hilton because your program has been cheating for three years, breaking rules. And guess what, man? You, you were likely even more involved than the head coach. You stood next to Connor Stallions with his laminated play sheets and his stolen signs. You ought to be crying for other reasons. Not because Harbaugh is watching the game in a hotel room. I thought that that part of things was pathetic. And we'll get to some of the other reactions after you weigh in. The, the, just the whole thing is, is it's just mind-blowing that this is how they have, have adopted this part of it. And it's, it's kind of like where our country is, where you're they're so dug in on their Whoa, take well, alert take alert yeah, there's coming they're so dug in they're so dug in on their belief that the truth doesn't matter right whatever and, and i i you you use the uh the concept of like your perception is your reality. And I tried to like instill that in my kids that if somebody believes something, then, hey, that's what they believe. Whether you meant to say it that way or not, maybe they believed it some other way. But these guys use it when it comes to facts. Like there isn't uh, there isn't something here where you can like assume one way or the other. The facts are the facts. And they just look at the facts and say, I don't these are these are irrelevant, which to me is just crazy that there that it's happening like I, it, it i feel like i'm in like a twilight zone listening to michigan men talk about their university that's where i'm at and maybe it's because it's michigan right like we have this inherent bias against them like we can admit that right it's those are facts but You don't get to play victim when you've been committing the crime for two, three years. Like, you might not agree with the punishment, but you'll get to fight that, whatever. It's not been handed down. It's sort of an ambiguous rule or lack thereof. Like, I, part of me gets that. Boy, the, the proof is there, man. Like, you know that you've had a guy in your program going and stealing these signs. You had this elaborate scheme set up. 
you know that he's standing right next to Moore and uh, Mentor on the sideline, like telling those guys, hey, it's this, hey, it's that. There's no gray area here. Like there's there's rules against it. There are policies against doing this sort of thing. And they broke the rules and they know that maybe it's, maybe they're in denial. I don't really know how to describe it, but yeah, it's not just more. It's, it's Santa Ono going on Twitter and saying, Oh, Michigan alums, thank you for your kind words. Like it's not a funeral, man. It's not. And then Jim Harbaugh does his thing on Monday. We should be America's team. Uh, talking about his push-ups and his apples. Like, man, he he's such a crock of shit at this point. And normally, I come out sort of soft when it's going at a team or a player or a program. Because we do this in fun, right? But it's clowns out of a clown show right now. And just their perception of reality is so warped. And it's just really, it's frustrating and annoying. And I'm sort of in disbelief that they are playing victim when they are the perpetrators of the crime. Hardball, I wanted to blow a gasket when he was talking about, I'm going and I'm going to talk. Bro, that's not how this works. This is a court of law. This isn't freaking open mic night where you get to go sing your favorite freaking song and nobody can stop you. You don't get to make those decisions. You're not a lawyer. You're sure as hell not a judge. You're barely qualified to be a football coach because of the way you handle your program. So get the hell out of here with this. Defi- like, I, I just can't stand the brazen disregard for rules and law. Like it's So previously it was rules, and now he's just saying, ah, the hell with the laws of this country. And I'm just, I'm not on board with somebody who thinks they're above what everybody else has to follow. And that's what they are. Like, it doesn't even matter. Like the, the kids on the team, I almost like they should be feeling some way. And the, everybody uh, tweeting bet, that's actually exactly what they should do. They should use this as motivation because frankly, they didn't, maybe they benefited, but they weren't the ones sending him to get the, the information. It wasn't their thing. When Ono tweeted bet, I'm like, what, like how, how old are you? Are, are you 22 years old or are you in charge of one of the, what is supposed to be most prestigious universities in this country? Which, which are you? Because you're acting like a 22 year old right now. Are you going to go? Did you go shotgun a couple natties before you tweeted that? Like, give me a break. And Tom Brady did it. You know, 45 year old man, greatest player who's ever played in the NFL. I get it. They He's wouldn't. doing it for a university that wouldn't play him. He couldn't get on the field at that university. I watched him play. He got benched multiple times for other players. He could not get off the and now he's in love with this university. Get the hell like what did they offer you? They offered you a spot on the bench after you outperformed Drew Henson. It's if it wasn't frustrating, it would be comical. Like it's almost comical their reaction to the whole thing. And who knows what comes of it. You know, there's a hearing on Friday and a Michigan alum is the assigned judge, although, you know, nothing against her. Um 
you know, I'm sure she's an accomplished individual and I'm not like um, suggesting anything, but it, it's just sort of funny. They knew where they were filing an appeal or filing for the TRO temporary restraining order. And it's just a whole thing at this point. It's a whole thing that I want to be over and I want to end. But it may be a long ways off, especially with the NCAA's investigation. The Big Ten is going to be limited in what they can do and they will do unless something just diabolical and damning comes out. But that's sort of where we're at. I wanted to at least talk about that because I thought that the reaction, the post-punishment reactions were just, they were awful, man. It's, it's blinded. It's sort of the mindset, though, right? Michigan men, we're above all. We're better. And they're certainly acting like that, even though they're clearly guilty of a number of things. You know, it's been proven less than truthful with NCAA, recruiting violations, uh, picking your nose and eating it on the sideline, stealing signs, just things I'm throwing out there. <laughs> What about eating the steak with the vitamin D milk? Who drinks vitamin D milk? Give me a break. You know, like, I I, I can be a milk guy. I love but milk. Not, I love milk. But not, yeah, like, a, a vitamin D straight up with a steak. I'm sure probably, like, no sauce, no A1. I get it if you're a purist. Like, that's what you – I don't buy that. I think he's just – I think he's an odd dude. I think he's stubborn. Um and I think he oversees a program that is guilty of, of some things. But that'll come out in the wash. Let's shift gears a little bit. Not a whole lot to get to with Ryan Day's normal Tuesday presser. That's why we usually wait to record. At this point, what's the point, I guess, Chuck? But we do it anyway. Really nothing jumped out to me. You know, he was complimentary of Kyle McCord. He's getting better. Offensive line, they're coming together, things like that. Obviously, pushing Marvis, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s Heisman candidacy just a little bit, sort of propping him up. The only thing of real substance or a couple things of real substance that came out, Ryan Day more or less confirmed that Lathan Ransom may or may not be out for the rest of the season. Uh, he said he will be out multiple weeks. Maybe there's an opportunity for him to come back down the road. I would imagine that even if Ransom comes back, it is they've got to be a college football playoff at that point. I don't think that Lathan Ransom is going to rush, nor should he, rush to come back for, uh, you know, Capital One Bowl or Alamo Car Rental Bowl, like whatever it is. So there's that. And then I, I don't recall whether it was Ryan Day who brought it up or Jim Knowles, but Michael Jr.'s name was brought up. He might be banged up this weekend, hopefully not long-term. They didn't say – they didn't compare the two, Michael Jr. and Lathan Ransom. So I am more optimistic for Michael, but maybe not this week. Chuck, let's, let's start with the injuries. We knew about Ransom. Michael Jr. left the game against Michigan State. How do you think that those impact Ohio State moving forward? The ransom one, we would think, affects them, but so far it hasn't. 
I mean, if you look at what happened Saturday, I don't think Sonny Styles or Millie Carford played uh, to a point where they didn't handle business. It sure seems like Proctor's also quickly coming back, so that's going to give them that little bit of uh, uh, leeway there. Uh, Jihad Carter got some some meaningful snaps, so I don't think either of them kills them. I would be lying if I didn't say I wasn't a little apprehensive Saturday just because Proctor and Ransom were out. The Mike Hall one, to me, they've got so many guys in the middle there, whether it's Hero Canoe, it's McKenzie, if Malone gets a little bit more burned, somebody's going to fill that spot. And you and I were talking before the pod. It's not like Mike Hall was filling up the stat sheet. Uh, and it's not like he was collapsing the pocket every third play. I mean, in all honesty, Williams has been the better D tackle this year for the Buckeyes. So I think that one hurts even less. They've got guys. They can rotate them and they can figure out who is going to give them a little bit of pump, a uh, little bit of punch up there. Uh, in that position. So I, I'm not too concerned about either of them. Obviously, Ransom has made himself a lot of money this year. So I agree with you. He should not rush this. I know as a Buckeye fan, you want him out there, but don't take a risk. He he has gained himself a, a couple rounds in the draft, in my opinion. So he needs to be healthy. And if it's the playoff, great. If it's uh, that was his last game at Ohio State, then, then so be it. Uh, protect your future, young man. Yeah, we're in total agreement there, and I'm I agree with you when it comes to Michael Jr. too. Michael Jr. is a presence, and the potential is so like exciting, but counting stats wise, he hasn't been as impactful this year. Hamilton will be out there, Canoe, the other guys you mentioned. Now, could they use a, a number of or a ton of warm bodies against a Minnesota team that loves to run the ball? Yeah, sure. But they played against other teams that like to run the ball. Sounds like they're going to get Tommy back. Sounds like Tommy Eichenberg will probably be back. Just reading into some comments. I failed to bring that up. So we'll save that for later in the preview. And maybe that's where we just jump into it. Chuck, before we take a break, because we're at sort of a good stopping point, anything else from the presser that you wanted to bring up? No, per usual, it was a lot of nothing, which, you know, I guess is better than they struggled on Saturday and now we have to question 17 position groups because the team barely won or lost, God forbid. Yeah, pretty boring and you'd rather have no updates than bad updates, I guess, is another way of looking at it. So what we're going to do is Chuck and I are going to take a quick break. We will come back, and then it is Minnesota preview time. Welcome back, everybody, to Hang Out in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. For Chuck Holmes, I am Josh Dooley, and we are talking Ohio State, Minnesota. This is Ohio State's home finale as they welcome the Gophers in. Four o'clock. Not a big fan. Not a big fan. I'll just start there. I don't know how to get right for a four o'clock game. And man, I feel bad for the seniors. Senior night at four o'clock against Minnesota stinks. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's just that's a that is such a flaccid ending to uh, a lot of great careers by coming out. It's going to be already starting to get dark. It might not be the greatest weather. I'm not sure. And it's Minnesota. Nobody wants to see them across from you. I'm with you. And oh, look, I don't particularly like the SEC, but like 334 o'clock is SEC time, in my opinion. Noon belongs to the Big Ten. Give me a night game every once in a while. I want Pac-12 late, at least for another month until they go away, or a couple weeks, then they go away. 3.34 o'clock, that's SEC time. So don't love that. But what I do love, Chuck, is that I called this before the season. We did a couple previews, and I think that you shared the same opinion but I'll be the one to take a victory lap here. I said that this Minnesota team was a fraud. I said their 9-4 and four record last season was a fluke and the product of a very weak schedule. And I was right because the Gophers are 5-5 five and five this season. Granted, they did knock off a ranked Iowa team, but I'm not giving them much credit for that. They should have lost. They have lost to... Northwestern, they blew a big lead, and then back-to-back losses against Illinois and Purdue. I mean, Purdue, I watched them play Ohio State. I was like, man, this is a real, this is a bad football team. And Purdue kind of put it on Minnesota. This is not – my comment was not a, like a knock on Minnesota players. I think that P.J. Fleck is a fraud of a coach, honestly. And I think he's vastly overrated. I think that he had a shtick that people used to like. And he won some games at a lower level, which got him the Minnesota job. But he's had some crap seasons in Minneapolis. And when they've won, I don't think it's been because of him. They won 11 11 games in 2019 because Tanner Morgan played out of his mind and had a total outlier of a season. Having Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman propped that whole team up. And Tyler Johnson was already in the program. But that was the absolute peak. It seems like they've only won a handful of games against ranked opponents ever. They've rarely battled for the Big Ten West title outside of one or two years. I just don't think... Fleck is a big-time guy. Do you agree? And here I was going to uh, pine for him to get the Texas A&M job. I thought that that's what we were <laughs> going to talk about, how he was going to end up at TAMU. Uh, no, I, th- I think Fleck's a fraud. I've never liked him. I didn't like him when he came into Ohio Stadium and was running around when he was at Western Michigan. I, I didn't like it back then. They're 5-5. Five and five. Three of their wins are Eastern Michigan, Louisiana, and Michigan State. They beat Michigan State by 15 points at home. So they're, they beat Nebraska the first game of the year when they were still running the corpse of Jeff Sims out there at quarterback. So four of their five wins are against teams that are terrible. The Iowa win is fine. I'll, I will applaud them for getting to 12 points against Iowa and winning 12 to 10. But give me a break. And I need Luke Fickle to come through week 13 and handle business so that they can go five and seven and not make a bowl game. 
because I just don't even want him to get to go to the uh, Armed Forces, A&M, uh, Valero, uh, Cheeky Bowl down in uh, Omaha, Nebraska on a Tuesday in December. I don't even want him to have that. Yeah, I just – his act got old for me, and it sounds like his act may have gotten old with some of the team, some of the players, the Fleck Bucks, the Bank, the treatment that may or may not have happened at Minnesota. We don't know the extent of that yet, but taking a look at this year's team, let's start with the offense like we typically do. This is not a good unit, but they were much better with running back Darius Taylor in the lineup. Maybe he plays against the Buckeyes. Maybe he doesn't. I don't think we know yet. I want to get to him later. At quarterback, the quarter uh, the Gophers are led by sophomore Ethan Kaliakmanis. He was a surprisingly was a four-star guy in the 2021 recruiting class. Can run if you need him to, but more of a pocket guy. Look, he has really struggled throwing the ball. 52.8% completion rate for his career, even lower this season. 16 career passing touchdowns versus 11 picks. I've watched him here and there. He just seems rushed or frantic at times. He misses some really easy throws. Maybe it will eventually come together for him, but a 52.2% completion rate this season, only 60 or only 6.4 yards per attempt. That's not great, Bob. 18 for 42, 42% against Purdue. Good Lord. Iowa, He they beat Iowa with him going 10 for 25. The fact that they got to 12 points is – that might actually get P.J. Fleck a, an extension. He went 5 for 15 against Michigan with 50 yards. <laughs> Man. Yeah, he's um, he's not the answer if you want to be a big-time – program right it's to the point now where you can't win without a quarterback that can throw unless that quarterback can run if you got somebody like Jaden Milrow you can get away with 52 55 percent on some games because he's also going to give you 80 yards and a couple of touchdowns on the ground Uh, my man's not doing that for you so for what he's offering I know they don't have another option but he does not offer any kind of resistance for this defense come Saturday. He is just, they are going to force him to make throws that he's just not capable of making. You wouldn't think so, but Minnesota doesn't want to throw the ball and they know they're not likely to win or compete if he does. So at running back, I mentioned Darius Taylor, true freshman, another four-star guy, Stud. I think Rivals had him as like the number 12 running back in this most recent recruiting class. But he has been in and out of the lineup. Did not play last weekend against Purdue. And I tried to find an update. I couldn't find one today. So I'm going to assume that he's out. When he was on the field, the Gophers were able to move the ball much more effectively. Like he had a three game stretch early in the season where he averaged about 175 yards per game. But like I said, he played four games, missed a month, 
came back against Iowa, has been out for the last three, couldn't find that update. Minnesota has also relied on Jordan Newbin, Sean Taylor, and Zach Evans at running back. Uh, Bryce Williams, too. Granted, that was early in the year. Look, the Gophers want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They will do it come hell or high water, regardless of who's healthy. They stay committed. And you've got four guys with at least 200 yards on the ground. You've got six, including Kaliak Manis, with at least 36 carries, although he's going to get hit for the sacks. But whoever's on the roster at running back, like they're going to get touches. Newbin has been the guy recently uh, against Michigan State. I think he went for 200. So there are some guys back there. Sean Taylor ran for 1,000 yards at Western Michigan. He's been relegated to a backup role. They're going to pound the rock. As far as pass catchers go, senior wide receiver Daniel Jackson leads Minnesota in receiving with 681 yards and seven touchdowns. Good player, four-year producer on a run-heavy team and a run-heavy offense. Put up a hundo against Iowa for whatever that's worth. Behind him is Corey Crooms, another Western Michigan transfer. Only 334 yards this season, but had at least 750 in his previous two at Western Mish. The guy that I like is tight end Brevin Span Ford. He presents a unique, unique challenge. Can block and catch. He's 6'7", 270. Like, not many teams have a designated stopper for a guy that size. I kind of can't wait for Sonny Styles and Brevin Span Ford to meet in the hole somewhere. But, you know, Span Ford morphs even Sonny. You know, I, I'm so, sort of surprised he didn't go into the draft last year, honestly, just based on potential alone. I think he had 400-some yards. He's sitting at 23 receptions, 226 yards this year. But he's enormous. He can do a little bit of everything. And then they also have Chris Altman-Bell. Going to go for for six seasons, maybe seven, maybe eight. <laughs> Always flashed a ton of potential, but he's been banged up off and on. Only 81 yards on the season, but if you happen to catch Sports Center this past weekend, then you may have seen his really uh, you know, impressive touchdown catch, his first of 2023. He's got some talent, but he's no longer the 1A or 1B guy that he's been for Minnesota in the past. I'm almost glad that they just are going to want to pound the rock all day Saturday because if this Ohio State defense has shown any crack – at any point this year, it has been when they've repeatedly gotten banged on that a couple of drives in some games, Michigan State moved the ball occasionally against them. Uh, Notre Dame moved it occasionally against them. So there are Michigan's going to run on them. I mean, Michigan just yeah, ran 40 times a, in a row on, on Penn State. It's going to be a good ramp up for Michigan. So I'm kind of glad they're not facing uh, Cliff Kingsbury's uh texas tech squad the week before michigan so i i'm excited for it it's, i i think you're right on taylor it doesn't look like he's gonna play and you almost prefer he play to see what they can do against a guy like that but if not uh, you know you got to handle business against who is and i'm excited to see 
see if these guys can get 30 runs off the Buckeyes not end up giving them 200 or 225 yards. And part of the challenge of that is the Gophers are massive up front. Maybe not as talented as in years past when they had guys like uh, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmitz and Daniel Falele. I think he was the guy who's like 6'8", 370, just an absolute mountain. But the current starters, they're all fifth and sixth year guys, I believe. A lot of experience. They will challenge Ohio State's defensive line, I'm sure. And speaking of defense, Minnesota has actually been pretty good on that side of the ball. Taking a a bit of a step back this year in 2023, but the Gophers finished sixth and fourth in points per game allowed the last two seasons. They're right in the middle of the pack this season, but they've got some players. Danny Strigow and Kyler Ball are the main guys up front. Strigow leads Minnesota in sacks with six, while Ball is their big space-eating nose tackle. Ja Joyner is another guy to watch, doing a little bit of research. Fourth-year junior and was a career backup, but he has eight tackles, three sacks, and two forced fumbles in the Gophers' last three games. So, somebody to keep an eye on. At linebacker, love the name, Maverick Baronkowski leads this team in tackles with 52. Just a fantastic name for a football player, especially a linebacker. Devin Williams, another linebacker, is fifth on the team with 44 tackles. And then a guy that Minnesota really missed at linebacker is or was, I should say, Cody Lindenberg, 71 tackles last season, fringe draft prospect heading into 2023, but he got injured, didn't play at all until October 28th. Two weeks ago against Illinois, he led Minnesota with 11 total tackles, one and a half for loss and a forced fumble, but then he missed last week's game against Purdue. Baronkowski also left that Purdue game. And so, again, I wasn't able to find injury updates before we jumped on. Seems like both Taylor and the two linebackers are question marks at this point. The latter two, I think, would be a massive blow to flex squad if they had intentions of slowing down Ohio State's offense. I need somebody to uh, Photoshop Maverick Baronkowski's face into where Blake Corum's face is with the the blood that he managed to uh, bleed after the game. But I feel like Maverick got was a blading. picture somewhere of that. But hey, don't you remember Ric Flair was on their campus. Ric Flair, the, the best blade in the game. Uh, they learned from the best. I'm sure Corum cut himself. Uh, maybe. I guarantee Maverick doesn't have to do that. He's out there trying to bang heads. And it may be seven yards down from the line of scrimmage because the rest of his team may start handling business. But I guarantee he's popping heads 10 or 12 times in this game. And I want a helmet off and I want it. I want it streaming down his nose. No, no stitches or anything. Just something because it's it's he's sweating so much that it bleeds a lot. And I want that to be like a a picture he could put on his wall as Ohio, 
and in the background, I want the score to be Ohio State 52, Minnesota 3. <laughs> we'll get to scores. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what where my, my head's at yet because I know that Minnesota wants to hold the ball as long as possible. And they, look, I know the defense has taken a step back this year. They've been really good in years past. But again, what did I say earlier? They're playing in the Big Ten West. They haven't taken on these juggernauts. So I don't know how much I read into that. However, in the secondary, I really like Tyler Newbin. Play safety for them. He's another guy. I'm surprised that he's around. I think this is his fifth year. He's been around the Big Ten for a hot minute. I think he's a really good player. He's second on the team with 49 tackles. He leads the team with four interceptions. Um, just, just a really, really good player, in my opinion. I also like their cornerback, Justin Wally, another guy. He's been around the program. He, he only has one interception this year, but he has eight passes defended or defensed. So good corner. He's going to match up with Marvin Harrison Jr. or Emeka Ibuka. Like that's a tall task. I get it. He's not uh, he's not Sauce Gardner, but he's a good player. And if Kyle McCord is off of his game, then Wally can make some plays. Tyler Newbin can make some plays. And Jack Henderson is their nickel guy. Sort of uh, Sonny Styles-esque, like he's 6'3", 220. That nickel sort of safety spot, I guess, is what you would call it. They've got some players on that side of the ball. But I think Ohio State's humming right now on, on the offensive side. It's really going to come down to, is Ohio State, can they get up for a 4 o'clock game? It's a little different for them. And are they looking ahead? Because I'm not sure if you knew this. I'm not, I don't know if you've heard. Very big game the Saturday after Thanksgiving. The team that Ohio State's going to play uh, is definitely out there in the news and the media right now. So do you think that there is any potential for a look-ahead game this Saturday from Ohio State? No, because if there was, it would have you would have probably seen it rear its ugly head Saturday. And I talked about this Sunday. I was not concerned at all with their second half because they were getting so many guys out there and they just wanted to get out of that game. They handled business so well in that first half that I anticipate the same thing happening this week. They're going to handle business in the first half and coast in the second half. It may not be... 62 to three, like we're used to in the past. But once this game's in hand, Ryan Day is going to make sure everybody that's on that field is healthy and ready to play the Saturday after. And if it means they give up a touchdown or don't score an extra touchdown, so be it. It's still going to be a comfortable win. And they want everybody rolling for the week after. And I, I don't mean this as a knock, but I, I hope that his head's not, I, I don't know that, I don't think that Kyle McCord is, again, I'm not trying to be mean here. I don't think that he's good enough right now to like, oh, God, have, no. to, to have the ego to treat this as a look ahead game. And like I said, like, I'm really not trying to be mean. I think he was fantastic against Michigan State. I didn't get to jump on here um, and talk about that with you. I thought he was really good. But 
he's got to take this game seriously. He is still progressing. Every single week, he's getting better, and he has to get better to eventually, in my opinion, beat Michigan if Ohio State's going to do that. So I don't think that he can take that approach. Um, and th- there are guys who have been in and out of the lineup. I don't think that they can take that approach. They have to work toward a peak at Michigan, not a come down at Michigan, or they're going to get their doors blown off. Like if they treat this as eh and go into next week, like, oh, we'll just really gear up. Very few teams in any sort of sport can turn it on like that. I just, that switch is not easy to find for most teams. So that's sort of where I'm at. I think they'll go in well prepared. I don't have much else on this Minnesota team. I know this has been a bit of a shorter podcast, Chuck, but it's sort of like Michigan State, like not a great team. You look at it on paper, like Minnesota doesn't want to shoot out. They're going to try and hold the ball. I think this is going to be sort of a boring game, but I hope it's boring in the second half because Ohio State's hitting on all cylinders. They start fast, they score often, and they rest some guys. So. Let's get the predictions. Chuck, I'll let you go first because this is your podcast now, apparently. What are you thinking for this Saturday afternoon? Uh, I think a nice, tidy uh, 31-7 to victory is coming for the Buckeyes. Okay. I guess I have something similar in mind. I, I was almost going to predict a repeat of last weekend they'd be Michigan State 38 to 3 give me 38 to 10 I I don't think that Ohio State puts up 40 plus just because Minnesota is at least well coached on that side of the ball and then they want to run the heck out of the ball so I'll go 38 10 uh, that's right around the cover zone right now I'm not sure what it'll be by the end but by, by the weekend but I don't know man I'm I'm excited that we're almost there. I'm nervous that we're almost there, but we have to get through this weekend. By we, I mean them. Ohio State still has a game to play. They've got a team coming to Columbus that wants to shock the world and salvage their season. I hope we see nothing close to that. I hope that the Buckeyes come out firing. And like I said, start fast, score often, and rest some guys late. Yeah, sign me up and then uh, let hell on earth rain down for the next seven days after that. Except Thanksgiving, because I'm uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm trying to I'm trying to be a, an uber fat ass for about 24 hours. There. What's going to be funny, and it it won't it won't impact everything, but what would be funny is if Maryland salvages their salvages their season with a victory this weekend. They've looked awful. Since Ohio State, I I seriously doubt that they make that a game against Michigan, but it is Michigan, Maryland this weekend uh, before the game of games in a couple of weeks. So that's going to do it for Chuck and I. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the comments and all the interaction we get, whether it's email, social media. Chuck's been super active on X a.k.a. Twitter. So with that being said, find us on social, like, rate, review, and subscribe to this pod. And until Sunday, when we're back with you, the way that we always sign this thing off, for Chuck Holmes, I'm Josh Dooley.
Go Bucks.